have arrived. Your samples phenomenal. Kirk Cousins had a good year. Quavo gets cooking. Boys, welcome back. It's been a while, but um, as you may have noticed, I got this snazzy new microphone. Um, courtesy of Kev. Shout out Kev. It was his um his company new job gift. He had one of those like catalogs select a gift and he invested in his boy's future, which uh which is great, you know. Wish every dad, you know, put the time and effort into their their son's dream. Give him a microphone so he can talk about career. So, <laughs> so he there's so many dads out there every who week. don't give a damn about their son's podcasting. Dude, that's what I'm saying. He doesn't listen, but um, he's supporting. Uh, I also got some fake Wolf Gray fours from China, but they look pretty cool. Also got some uh, Beats Studio headphones with my Chase Freedom reward points. So like, wow, dude, I'm feeling pretty good, dude. Um, Merry Christmas. Dude, I know I'm yeah. I'm leveling up, but the one thing is, outside of our Lord and Savior and my family, there's really only one thing I care about, and that is the Notre Dame Fighting Irish competing for national championships. And uh, we don't have that, but Beach, I know you're a similar fan as me, and uh, you got it right now. Your boys are back we got to back. It. We got it, and you know it feels good. It um, it almost feels. Like, I don't even know how to describe it because I haven't had this feeling with Michigan football in years. I mean, it's been not only a beatdown by like Ohio State, which became like religion every year, but like then you'd have to deal with like state. And obviously, state had some pretty good success, you know, in like the early uh, 2010s making their own playoffs. Uh, but it just feels good, you know, now be not only a two time visitor to the playoff, but um, a two time in a row visitor and a two time in a row Big Ten champion. Uh, beating Ohio State at home last year, taking care of business this year at home. Um, not just doing it with a dominant run game, but doing it with big, big play passion, big play fashion with throwing the ball. Um, they look dynamic. They look like that team I was talking about weeks ago. They look like that team I wanted to see, you know, the, the Oklahoma Heisman led guys throwing it down to D.D. Westbrook and Hollywood Brown and Bama. And they're all loads of receivers. Georgia obviously looking good as always. And it just feels really good to actually sit down and play an opponent in the semifinal that I feel a lot better about than last year. I mean, the dogs were really fucking good last year. I think a lot of people in America last year thought, well, it's either going to be Georgia or Bama who wins it. Now this year, you're kind of like, well, Georgia's got the edge, but they're playing an Ohio State team who's still obviously loaded with five-star talent that can blow your brakes off any game. And Michigan's on the other side of that set to maybe rematch the dogs, but this time for it all and this time in uh, i think it's in, yeah it's in la sofi stadium baby so we'll see if the uh, wolverines get uh la bound um i think they will but it's for now um that perfect season uh, that we wanted we got um it's crazy to actually have a 13 and 0 season and be one of those teams that's like dominant in college football that's my little monologue it's great to be a michigan wolverine so do you think that JJ can fully do it? Like, I know that somehow Ohio State had just zero game plan for if and when Michigan decided to do anything but run the ball. And it was it was honestly pretty embarrassing. Like, that is who 
people have thought of as DBU. Um, I know in some circles they are considered DBU. And um, Michigan decided to throw the ball, uh, just running basic double moves. And um, Ohio State had no idea what to do. They looked like a terribly coached team. Um, that was really an embarrassing performance, honestly, from an outside perspective who really, if both both teams could lose, that's the result I would have wanted. But obviously that can't happen. But it was it was very impressive. And I love the way Harbaugh kind of he didn't want to he didn't deviate from that. As soon as he saw it was working, he stayed at it and forced Ohio State to make an adjustment. And they didn't. But is can J.J. beat any of the teams under center? In the playoff, you think? I think so, because in what I've noticed as an evolution, at least for J.J., is he's been pretty consistent all year. He's dipped off in the in the latter part of the season um, for completion percentage-wise. But for a while, I believe maybe even nine weeks through the season, he was throwing the ball at a 70% completion rate. So really up there, honestly, and like completing the ball. Obviously, when you think Michigan football in the past, you think dominant O-line, dominant running the ball, those play-action passes where they throw it to that tight end in the seam, and you know who can't complete that, right? What I think now is what I've noticed with the evolution in him is he looked to want to run really early. And I felt the first couple games, like really just not trust that line, not trust to not really trust like his reads personally. And I mean, he is a younger QB that got thrown into a situation where kind of thought he was going to have to, you know, had a guy at his heels, maybe like nipping at it this year. Like, well, is it going to be Kate? Is it going to be JJ? Then all of a sudden Kate gets season ending surgery in week three. And, and he's got the keys to the Wolverine kingdom. And, Honestly, he's just been he's I think he can do it because he looks like he can make all those throws that you need to make. I mean, if, as long as we got athletes on the outside, a lot of speed running these double moves. I have no worry about J.J. hitting open receivers. I worry about receivers getting open against some of these. Like if you get a good scheme, what we ran into with Georgia last year was, OK, we're going to load the box. We're going to play really tough defense we're going to stop this Michigan run we're going to put them in third and longs and then if you're just going to have two over top I mean you're not Michigan in the past is not able to succumb that this year I still think like you put them in third and long situations they showed out against Ohio State a few times doing that but that's not their forte so that is where I think where it becomes not on JJ and I think he's gotten smarter and looks a lot better now with maybe running it when he needs to He's got that playmaking ability where you can kind of always dancing around in the pocket, like with all those quarterbacks you see creating time. Um, as long as the receiver, I think it comes down to the receivers. I really do. I think it's more receivers than it is JJ. Yeah. I mean, Mart, how would you like, I know it's on a more micro level, like the season is behind us now and it's four teams is how do you grade out these quarterbacks one through four? Like JJ would, have to be four, even though Michigan is still, you know, right in it to win. They could beat anyone in the in the playoffs. Oh yeah, by no, I would easily put them at four easily. Yeah, it's pretty tough to not be four, considering the other three are Heisman finalists, and he's not. So there's that, but yeah, it's. I think this TCU matchup. I think a lot of people are going to overlook them personally, like. Beach, you were already saying, like, yeah, I think we're going to win. We'll be there with the dogs and, and the natty. I don't know, dude. It, this team is <laughs> – it's been through adversity all year, and you see the type of player that Duggan is. At the end, even during that um, 
Big 12 championship. He fucking scored twice. They didn't review it. TCU probably should have won that game. They got the goal line stand, whatever. It's a legendary uh, game for Kansas State. I think they're going to come out hungry. I think Duggan versus Jay. I, I at least think TCU will punch him in the mouth. It'll be interesting to see how McCarthy will respond with I, – I in that Ohio State game, they had, what, the Harrison touchdown, and that was really it. Ohio State kind of rolled over and died a little bit, at, especially in the second half. It'll be interesting to see if TCU can, like, hold, hold it close and make J.J. actually – have like that, you know, like a drive like that where you're like, okay, damn, that he's cementing himself. Michigan's cementing themselves as contenders. So I don't know. It that matchup is is going to be tough for Michigan. I think. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I definitely think it'll be close. I mean, not not necessarily not necessarily overlooking them. I don't want it to seem like that. It's just I think this Michigan team is hungry, and I think they're looking at an, a, a Georgia team that embarrassed them last year and doesn't really want to bring in that same at energy. And what I was honestly going to double check is I think Ohio state kind of at the end, didn't they have a couple turnovers? Well, Stroud had what two picks. picks. That's what I thought. I was trying to, I was trying to see when they kind of in the second half. Okay. Yeah. 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 So like, in the second half, if you look at this, like it, they came out and played defense. I mean, Ohio State's first three drives were punts and then field goal, pick, pick. So I get like the whole rolling over and dying thing, but um, I guess I kind of thought they got the interceptions maybe a little earlier in the half. But I was going to say with Duggan, it's going to come down to like forcing turnovers. Like I think if you get that kind of momentum, especially with I felt Michigan was a newer team to the playoff last year and just really wasn't maybe ready for that moment necessarily. And I know I've talked about this on here a couple times. Like I remember Michigan elected to go for it on like a fourth and three in the middle of the field against Georgia on like one of their first possessions. If you're already down seven zero and you miss that, Georgia's going to go down and take a 14 zero lead. Um, Duggan and TCU have that same capability here where you go for that and you don't get it. You take those gambles. Like TCU's shown they can stop the run. They've already played one of the most talented running backs in college football and B. John Robinson this year and played a phenomenal game against Texas. So I definitely see where you're coming from. I just think it's going to come down to playing that whole team defense the, the entire game and, and getting those turnovers and not really getting down on yourself when, hey, maybe we're down 14 here, but if we can get a score and a pick, I mean, you're right back in it, like just kind of keeping that mentality. And so I really hope they just bring the defense and can limit Doug in there. But to your point, he definitely has that ability to uh, kind of really open up the game and maybe take control against this Wolverine team. Yeah, yeah, like and the, th- the yeah, thing about uh, about Duggan and and this TCU Horn Frog team is, as in regarding this matchup is, I love it because normally the matchups we see is are big on big, five stars across the board play a similar style of football and like may the better man win, and a lot of those games end up being blowouts because you kind of find that well. Alabama's uh, big and strong are better than Oklahoma's big and strong or Clemson's big and strong or vice versa. But the thing about this game and this matchup, I can't recall a matchup and maybe it's because we got some new, you know, fresh faces in there. Obviously this is Michigan's second appearance in two years, but between them and TCU, um, you know, TCU hasn't been there and uh, three appearances combined for, for the two programs. 
I don't know that I've seen a matchup this interesting because I don't know that I've seen a matchup with such different styles of football. And I think that usually makes for a great game. Like normally what we see in big 12 championship is offense versus offense outscore who can outscore who, you know, we've seen that kind of change uh, with that Oklahoma state Baylor big 12 championship, where it was just two unbelievable defenses battling out. And then obviously we saw one of the greatest defensive plays in probably big 12 history uh, with that tackle at the one yard line. But Max Duggan reminds me, I think he's a very similar player to um, Stetson Bennett and the weapons they have it. Their team reminds me a lot of Johnny Manziel's A&M team in his second season, Quinn Johnson being Mike Evans and the, his size and strength and the way Duggan can just maneuver the pocket and his toughness. I think Michigan is more of that kind of, you know, pound the rock. We have the athletes so we can still play this style of football in a league or in a, you know, era of college football where that's not particularly the way that you win championships. But when you make, when you use that scheme with, you know, top tier personnel like Michigan has, it works. And obviously they had to kind of, change change up their game plan against Ohio State because really everyone's got to change up their game plan a little and obviously injuries uh, played a big role in that but I think that these two styles are so different but they they will meet each other so well and I think this is a one score game through and through Um, I think Max Duggan has a lot to prove he's obviously Heisman finalist and Michigan is personnel wise a better squad from just you know position to position but I mean I was watching Max Duggan putting his neck on the line play after play in that big 12 championship and I know he is fucking over like he must be fuming the way that game ended Uh, maybe not the way they think it should have ended in terms of maybe how the refs kind of played a role in that game and I know these are competitors. These are top tier athletes. They don't like to, you know, blame the refs like us plebeian fans do. But I just think this matchup is so unique, especially for the college football playoff. And these were the games that we were talking about last year that you don't get to see that you would see with the expanded playoff. Like we're getting a taste, I feel like, of a matchup that we would have seen from like a, you know, a 12 versus or a, you know, eight versus six in the big, in, uh, you know, yeah. a 12 team playoff or, or something like that. So I'm, I'm more excited for this matchup because I think Georgia takes care of business. I do think OSU matches up well, but this is going to be a fun game. Yeah. Chuck, yeah, you, one thing. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Martin. No, I, yeah. I was just going to throw in, I kind of mentioned it. Like what if, what would happen with McCarthy getting punched in the mouth and stuff? I feel like playing in the big 10, I mean, Michigan's toughest, I mean, most adversity that they've faced so far has been Illinois, honestly. So these last two weeks they've had their two wins. But other than that, so that might be a little like preview of what they can do in the face of what trouble or like a loss or whatever you want to call it. And I feel like in this game, you're facing a team like TCU that 
in literally every fucking game they played, they've been like, all right, our backs are against the wall. Let's fucking dial it up now. Let's let's bring bring it down now. We we need to win this game. And they they've won. I mean, so many games like that. I feel like from that perspective, it's gonna be interesting to see if that will even play a role. I like who knows? I Michigan, they were in it last year and that experience might play a role too. They they might have the upper hand from that perspective. Like you said, Chuck, there's a lot of variables in this matchup. Yeah, it's, it's nice you bring up experience because kind of two things that really jumped out to me uh, from what Chuck was saying. One, I feel that the games are an, an interesting point here is I, I don't think we've ever had, and, and this kind of hurts me to say, obviously, as a Michigan fan, but, and I hate to phrase it this way, but maybe this week of, of a two seed, if, if that sounds correct, uh, not, not anything against Michigan, but just looking at years past, like if you take last year's Bama and Georgia team and they do that same shebang where, you know, they go one and one against each other, like Michigan's the three seed and they're probably a dog to Bama slash Georgia and they probably lose. Right. I mean, we've seen, we saw it happen last year. I mean, Michigan did the same fucking thing. I mean, yeah, they, yeah, they were maybe one loss better this year, but I just feel like, we, they don't get looked at in that lens. And I don't even know if I do really as them. It's hard to think of them as this, this team who should be favored by nine and a half against a scrawny three seat. You know, I, I just really think that the matchups lend themselves to being, especially this TCU Michigan, a little more forgiving, I guess, than years past where it seems like I feel we've really been able to kind of pick this national championship. We're going to see with like, Oh, like, like even like that year with maybe even three teams being good with like that Trevor Lawrence Clemson team and that Justin Fields, Ohio state team that went on to play Bama for the ship. Like, okay, we, we know Bama's going to make it, but hell Clemson and Ohio state are two very good football teams. And we're starting to think three teams can win the national championship. Really this year, it's kind of just been a lot of it about Georgia. Um, second bit is Mark, you kind of hit on this too. One thing that I t- like to talk about a lot is coaching, you know, I think I, I truthfully think like Jim Harbaugh has outcoached Ryan Day. I think he has his number. I think he knows how to outcoach him. I think he knows sure. working with his coordinators how to outcoach Ryan Day. Um, nothing against Sonny Dykes. I don't know if he's ready for a big moment to get, you know, I mean, look at all these great people, young gun coaches we've seen even across the NFL too. Sean McVay didn't have his best coaching clinic against Belichick in the first Super Bowl. I mean, it, it's just, it's tough to do. When, when that moment arrives and yeah, it's everything you've been waiting for your whole life, but um, definitely coaching and experience really starts to weigh in on those opportunities. And I obviously like Sonny Dykes, a great coach. I love what he's been doing with that TCU program, especially in a first year, but I just, I, I have to believe that Jim can out coach him. I have to. Um, so that's to, for me, but I think it's going to come down to too in a large part. You know, I, the one thing that sticks out to me the most having watched so much, TCU football this year is I don't know if this is normally a flaw in play calling or maybe even a flaw in just how spread offenses are or are run nowadays but I have never seen a quarterback more comfortable throwing the deep ball early often whether it's open or whether it's tightly contested you do not see Max Duggan that he hates checking down. You know, a lot of times you have a third and one, third and short, third and medium, and you're looking to the tight end in the flat, or you're looking for that quick five yard sit. Watching my Max Duggan, 
if it's a third and short, he's taking a shot. Like if it if he sees that one on one, he believes in his wide receiver and he is yawking. And the amount of time in that Kansas State game, I mean that that offense didn't look as great as the air raid didn't look as great as it did for a lot of the season. That's why you saw Max Duggan having to having to pull it more. And I mean, God, was he running the football like a fucking just a kid that wanted it? Like he was banged up. He was bleeding. He was getting checked on every in between every series on the sideline. You you could tell he was not a hundred percent, but when it wasn't there, he's tucking it and he's running hard. But I think the matchup to watch is this Michigan secondary will get tested. And I know they, they were up to the task in the game against Ohio state, but he will not stop. He will go deep. He will go over the middle and he will let it fly all game long. And I think that's where TCU, you know, is a danger to any team they play, whether it's Michigan, whether it's Ohio state, whether it's Georgia, because teams, especially out of the big 10, you don't have quarterbacks, you know, taking those shots that, that often you're not seeing DeVito taking shots down the sideline on third and short. Like it's going to be something they haven't seen much because it looked like Stroud was getting a little yippy in that game. If I'm being honest, like that first drive for Ohio state, I was kind of nervous for Michigan because they was just who wasn't. Weird. I mean, they looked spot on Dude, normal the, dominant, the most James clinical five and a half minute hit on everything right down. And it was like, well, this they're out for blood. They got the they tight end it. involved. They're Dude, running the ball. They're hitting. Marvin I was, Harris I was like, this Luka. could get bad. Yep. And I know, I know, I know the boy, Nick, um, was kind of under the impression that it might get bad and, um, didn't work out too well for him because of the way Harbaugh, uh, coached that game and the way Michigan responded. So I just think I am so excited for this matchup. I can't remember, out, you know, taking out the times that I'm like, okay, we got Clemson, we're going to be Clemson. Oh, we got Bama, we're going to be Bama. Taking those out because that's just fandom and, you know, I can't really look at that objectively. This is a really fun matchup, and these are the matchups we're going to be getting so much more often in years to come because of the new the new format. I don't know. I What, was, what, what did it open at? Do we know? It's nine and a half. That's a big number. I definitely love TCU with that amount of money. I mean, I I honestly think Michigan might. I bet the public's on Michigan. Let's. I don't know. I honestly can see Michigan winning by a field goal. What's the other game? I do. You guys know the spread on the other six and a half, Georgia. I see. And like, like we, I mean, we've talked about this Ohio State Michigan game ad nauseum, but like. This squad, and you just kind of saw it last year too. There's just something different. This is not the the same type of toughness that you've seen and in, in these Ohio State teams of the past with like the Fields, Olave, Garrett Wilson. Like that team was phenomenal. And that was one of the best semifinal games. That might have been the best semifinal game that we've ever seen in the Clemson game. And against Clemson, yeah, a, that game was yeah. sick. Both and their games. Both years. Both years. Both yeah, years. I was gonna yep. say those are probably the two best. Remember that year? Fields only lost because him and that uh, receiver. I, I, I struggling to remember who it might have been. Olave. They had a miscue. 
Uh, and he ran a post and Fields thought he was going uh, to the back of the end zone. And that's the only reason really by it ended. Honestly, Clemson ended with a pick. And then the next year, that was an absolute shootout in which the Buckeyes won. J.K. Dobbins getting chased down um, on a, oh, yeah. one of the yeah. most miraculous yeah, yeah, yeah. plays I've ever seen. And and that held them to a field goal. Um, yeah. But I mean, we I've talked about this more like to use your verbiage ad nauseum is the entire kind of, you know, agenda, not agenda, but the narrative that, you know, oh, Notre Dame, they got smoked in the playoff. They should, Paul Feinbaum saying they should be banned or anyone that throws up a dud and loses to who then we find out is the best team in the country because, I mean, LSU, no one was beating LSU. The next year, Clemson, no one was beating Clemson. No one was beating those Bama teams, whatever. There's always one of those teams, though. And to me, this year, I don't think there is. I I, really don't think we're going to see a 14-point blowout. I completely agree. And that's why these elitists in college football were like, oh, expanding the playoff, you're going to get teams getting blown out. Dude, we've been – we have a four-team playoff with the four best teams in the country meeting up. The four best teams out of a hundred and what a hundred thirty-five eligible teams, four the four best meet. I, I get every that, fucking dude. game. Half half the games we've seen in the college football playoff are twenty-one point plus margins. So it's not getting it's not getting much uglier than that if you expand dude, it. So getting dude, these I, other teams in it, it that's why I love seeing this TCU team because in in another year or two they could have lost that Texas game. And we could still be seeing a team that has a chance to make the college football final. And I think this is the perfect year and the perfect matchup to kind of usher in the new era of college football where we're actually going to have a fucking playoff and not decide a national champion you know, subjectively and just, oh, it goes to them or, oh, all right, right, we'll play two more games. And that this matchup is exactly one of the ones we talked about is like a, a, you know, a TCU going to Ann Arbor in, you know, the middle of December or Michigan going down to, you know, college station, these kind of games. And I know this is still neutral site. We don't have those home games, but I think this is great for the sport this matchup, TCU-Michigan. Yeah, I mean, I I think there's so many different directions to go with this expanded playoff. Like, one, we've had this discussion about kind of the floodgates, like, opening up, and I definitely think there's more parity now. But, like, dude, you look at some of these years and, like, go back through the playoff rankings and, like, look at these top 12 teams, dude. Like, some of them just would just not even do anything. Like, really up until – last year with kind of since he making that run up, obviously kind of really opening up the floodgates there, Georgia finally gets in the mix for a second time. Notre Dame is up near the top. You can't tell me though. There's not like a serious drop off between like a lot of these teams. I mean, there just certainly is. Uh, when you look at this, like I'm 2015 dude, that 13 and 0 Clemson team, like you're telling me like that that Big Ten champion Michigan State team is or that Big Ten losing Iowa team who was ranked fifth in the final rankings going into bowl season 
is going to hang with that Justin Fields team or that, excuse me, that Trevor Lawrence team that first year? No. I mean, Bama and Clemson were so far above everyone else that year. Like that, like they just certainly were. I mean, I just think you're going to find a lot of the time with a lot of these rankings that I even said it last year, like Bama, Georgia were heavy favorites. I mean, everyone kind of thought that was going to be the championship. It just that is what I see honestly happening with a lot of these rankings as you get down. I mean, Mississippi State in 2014, they, they literally lost like their last two games of the season. And we went out want to put them into the playoff thinking they're going to like rumble. I mean, Arizona was 10 and three, 10th team in the country. You think they're making some noise and competing with Jameis Winston, that Zeke Ohio State team? Marcus Mariota and Bama. Arizona was ranked 10th in the country. Arizona was ranked 10th in the country. And Georgia Good Tech Lord. would have been the last team in at with, with a 10 and 3 record. I, I, I just, I, I'm all for it now. Now we jump ahead, as we've discussed on this podcast multiple times about the parody opening up and a lot more teams kind of having their say. I mean, you look at it this year, I mean, we've seen it all over social media. The rank, they look great. I'd love to see if these teams were healthy. I mean, hell, if like Hendon Hooker didn't get hurt and we're seeing like that Tennessee team, I wouldn't want to play them. I wouldn't want to play USC with Caleb Williams. Kansas I mean, State. Even, even Kansas State, yeah. I mean, they're they're gonna they're gonna mess around. I mean, Clemson maybe figures it out a game. I mean, they're sitting at seven. Uh, Bama crawls their way back in. Washington has been sneaky this year. Penn State, their only losses were to a dominant Michigan and Ohio State team all year. Like, like that's now where I'm seeing like, oh, these are 12 teams. I'd love to see them all compete for a national championship. I think you'd see some upsets. Years past, I don't think you're seeing any upsets, honestly. I don't think any of these games would be as close as you think. Yeah, but years past, like my point is, they yes, didn't have the portal. Georgia, Georgia Tech was not going to compete there, but neither was the four seed that was in there. They were getting fucking blown to bits as well. Like you had the top four. And they there was a clear number one, and they're gonna blow out every other team in the country. And I do think that we're moving to a place where kids can, if they don't love the spot they're in, can go to another team. They can talk to the kids they went to camps with or played against in high school and kind of link up and say, yo, let's go play for Dion in Colorado. And obviously that hasn't happened yet but i'm sure we see a colorado team next year that's not winning one game but we've seen it this year and like you said there were there was a deeper field this entire year since the first playoff ranking and more teams that actually had a chance than any year like than probably the next two years combined this field with usc and one of the best quarterbacks in the country with tennessee and one of the best quarterbacks in the country with a Kansas state team that is unbelievably good. And urban Meyer made a point about them. And obviously urban Meyer knows his football. He's won everywhere he ever went. He said, except the Jaguars. The, <laughs> yeah. In college, I should, I should say um, he made a point that was very interesting during the halftime of the PAC 12 championship, when they were talking about the scenarios that might play out. And obviously fucking Nick Saban with that absolutely brutal just 
begging job dude that is such give a give us a chance play. give us a chance but like yes nick we know that your team would pre- would compete but you don't deserve it shut the fuck up whatever but he said kansas state watch kansas state i think they win this game because you know the teams that win in december and january are balanced they are the balanced teams the teams like oklahoma in years past that just just absolutely run and gun down your throat but play no defense they get smoked and those types of teams he's like kansas state is one of the most balanced teams in the country right now and whether whether or not you think that you know tcu scored that touchdown in overtime i think they did i think they did twice kansas state looked great and kansas state looked like a team that could compete with virtually anyone right now um so I I love that this is kind of a transitional year because it will open the minds of a lot of people towards kind of and I know most fans, most real fans have always been a proponent of expanding at least to eight or six. But I think it's going to open up those people's minds like, yeah, Tennessee, it makes things different that Hendon Hooker's out. Tennessee could have won a national championship this year in a 12 team playoff format. Kansas State could have, you know, snuck their way to a top four in a 12 team playoff format. Things like that, which this has been personally one of my favorite years of college football, even with the Irish losing four games, which is saying a lot from me being such a homer. But I guess to transition a little. Georgia and Ohio State, the other playoff game. I do think that Ohio State was probably a really unlucky team for Georgia to end up getting at the four spot because they have they're riddled with five stars and have the talent to beat anyone any given Sunday. And that's another thing we could talk about with the 12 team is that if you're Georgia, you won't get screwed by having to play you know, maybe the most talented team in the country, but can Ohio state bounce back after what they're going to have almost three weeks off here and compete with Georgia or is Georgia just going to go back to back? No. Coaching. They can't. Yeah. I, I mean, that was, I was kind of um, getting to this point earlier when I was saying about, how this is not an Ohio State team, at least to my eye test of years past, where I, there's just some some sort of a stink on this team. I don't know what it is. C.J. Stroud looks like fucking handsome Squidward from SpongeBob. He's got – he's like pretty boy. He's always buying this guy's suits. Now he's got the money. I mean, and then you come to a point, they literally make the playoff, and fucking Jackson Smith and Jigba says, fuck that, dude. I'm going to the NFL. Like, it's – there, that to me, I feel like he's not the only guy that has that mindset on the team. Personally, I don't, I don't know what, what it is, and this is a very similar team to what we saw last year. It's wor- a worse team to what we saw last year get blown up by Michigan. I don't know if it's Ryan Day, what culture is going on in Ohio State, but this team is coming in. I feel like not in a good mind. They just got their fucking doors blown off them by their arch rival at home. 
You got guys leaving to go to the NFL. I, I think this is a bad spot for us. I think Georgia murders them personally. I don't know. Coaching, I'm going to agree with part of that. I just think Kirby Smart's just going to out-coach him. Um, I think what we've seen is even more so with Michigan's recipe last year, I think really fits to the dog's strength this year. We have a we have a tenured quarterback who's got a good head on him who's always going to make the right play. Uh, he got a great run game. We got a big old line, and we have a hell of a defensive line. Um, I think they're going to get to the quarterback. We've seen with Stroud over the past two years. Uh, you make him move around. You apply a little pressure. You can get to him. Uh, you're going to start seeing results such as sacks and picks. Uh, that, that's what Michigan was able to do well last year with more of a pass rush sense. This year they were kind of able to do it with more of a coverage sense. Uh, I, I just think Georgia matches up better. Um, but again, Chuck, you always hit on this. The, they're, they're just riddled with five-star talent across the board. I mean, anyone can show up and play. Uh, I mean, Georgia's shown before where I always know I bring this up, but that Oklahoma game. So, I mean, Georgia has that capability to say, all right, fuck, fuck defense. Let's go. Let, let's, let's do this as a shootout. I mean, the, they're equipped to do that. Uh, Stetson Bennett, ha- I mean, he's sitting in New York for the highest, highest and finalist. Do I necessarily think he deserves to be there? No. But you've seen it in games where that guy could that guy could account for six TDs, uh, th- throw for three hundred, have some on the ground. Uh, you you they have that ability to, to to really break it open and turn it into a track meet, which I, I think Ohio State would kind of love to do, um, be able to score at will and just kind of have it go to the end. I don't think Ryan Day is necessarily ready to coach this game. I think when you go from you've lost two straight to Michigan. Uh, one, the second of which was just at home this year in an 11 and 0 season in which you were coddled and told you were the, one of the best teams in football all year. Um, and, and they just didn't show up. I mean, three points in the second half at home against your arch rival is horrible. Um, you, you sit home and you watch your arch rival win the big 10 championship. And now you got to get ready for a playoff. I, I don't think they were necessarily expecting that. I think half the players were ready to say, oh, I'm not playing in another Rose Bowl. We did that last year. Uh, I'm going to do what Smith and Jigba's doing and go to the draft. I don't necessarily think he has the team as equipped as Ryan, or as uh, Urban Meyer has in the past with that kind of killer instinct. You're getting coached the best. I am one of the best coaches. We're going to win. I feel like genuinely any Ohio State fan – in America, even before Michigan, the game losses against Michigan would say they'd rather have Urban Meyer coaching their Buckeyes than Ryan Day. Uh, so to me, it's just all that combined and just seeing that the dogs have just had a little bit more of a harder schedule. Um, they've kind of done this already. Granted, it was a home game and against Tennessee, but they're kind of equipped to, to deal with those offenses that want to score in a hurry with a good little receiver quarterback combo, a little run, run the ball. Uh, so I think they've shown that they can neutralize that and shove it down your throat and not allow you to get back in it. And that's kind of what I see from this game. So, Mart, I'll go to you on this first. Like, one of the biggest stories, I think, in terms of how this playoff finalized and how it's been received was the conference championship argument and obviously a lot of this coming from fan bases of teams that didn't get in, um, you know, salty, if you will, about not getting in. So USC, for example, I saw a large, 
you know, contingency of USC fans mad at the fact that they went and played in a conference championship while Ohio State stayed home. They get the loss in the extra game, but feel like maybe they shouldn't be penalized for playing in that extra game when someone else didn't get there. Obviously, this gets deeper into the alignment of conferences. And yes, Ohio State probably should have just played Michigan back-to-back weeks because Purdue is not that good of a football team. But do you think that it is – do you think Ohio State deserves it more than USC to just kind of make it cut and dry? Um, yes, I was, I was actually going to make a point. Ohio, this Ohio state team reminds me a lot of USC. I mean, where I feel like it's a lot of just a Hollywood type mentality. I they're, they're the Midwest Ohio or the Midwest USC, but going into that about the loss, I mean, what USC is not, they're not fucking like Alabama of a year's past where they like tripped up at Texas A&M. And it's like, oh, okay, like it's they're not that team by any means. They have what? Maybe they have a, a literal North Carolina defense running around back there that got absolutely fucking torched by Utah. You know, like that team belongs nowhere near the play. Like it, it's I you have the Heisman Trophy winner, that's great. And he's gonna be fantastic next year. And that's hard to deal with, but you gotta be a well-rounded team. It's the same argument with Oklahoma. But like at least those Oklahoma teams of the past, I mean had a better defense than what we're seeing on this USC team, which is a joke to say, you know what I mean? It's oh, as I mean, bad State, a defense as you could possibly have for a team with 10 plus wins. Like yeah, they might as offenses outside of Notre Dame, unfortunately look like they were running, you know, 11 on O practice, just drills, just running through the get running through the motions. Obviously some of that, that tackling that we saw on Friday night was, just it looked like us three, you know, back there trying to tackle the the Utah skill position guys. It was an absolute joke. I I get the point of well, we have to play the extra game and we earn the extra game. Maybe it shouldn't be held against you. But I I think it would be a little different. And I think that's where I kind of wanted to go with this. If this USC team like same record, same strength of schedule, same all-world quarterback, didn't have that abysmal of a defense, you know? So if a if an Alabama team missed their conference championship and had the – or if Alabama lost – had their second loss in a conference championship and – didn't get in to a one loss team that wasn't in their conference championship. I think it might be a different story. And I get the whole no two, two loss team has ever made that made the college football playoff. And that remained consistent this year. But I mean, dude, all shout out to Utah, the how they've played down the stretch the last two years has been nothing short of spectacular. They go and they dog walk. You or they dog walk Oregon twice in three weeks last year, beat the fucking breaks off a very good Oregon team. This year, they beat USC, 
the undefeated USC at the time, run it back against USC and beat the brakes off them again. And last year, after beating the fuck out of Oregon twice, go and almost beat Ohio State in one of the best Rose Bowls we've ever seen. So, Beach, I know you've had your uh, your choice words for um, for Utah and Cam Rising, but he's got some he's got some nuts on him. I have to say, after watching that game Friday night, I agree. I just get frustrated with them when they when they don't win more games. I just get mad that they lose these junk games. Like that sort of frustrates me. Be um, Florida, they might be in. <laughs> yeah, honestly, but you jump to this playoff thing, and you kind of open this up with that UT, USC discussion. I don't get the arguments because they lay it out for you. Like every year, I don't get this. It's laid out. Like obviously, it, number one, the criteria when they're deciding teams to go in when you're for when you're forced to first make that choice. Like, for instance, Georgia's been ranked one. Georgia was one. Maybe there's a little conversation in the room saying, hey, Michigan beat a talented Ohio State team. They might still make it in. You know, maybe they're one. But probably not. Michigan, 13-0, and 0, safe at two. Okay, now let's decide the other two teams. Let's look for who's got the – who's one loss. All right, TCU and Ohio State are. TCU lost their one game in a conference championship, and that's where that whole thing of – we shouldn't be penalized for having to play another game. That is not being penalized. That is achieving a 12-0 and perfect season, having to play another tough opponent, which we've talked about a lot. In some of these conferences, you have to play a great ranked team. Um, I think Kansas State was like top 10. So, I mean, that makes sense. And they drop one. But the Big Ten. Yeah. So they, so they drop one. And so TCU's in. Okay, now we get to this last spot, and we go to conference champion. Is there is there any is there any to see? No. Okay, no. Uh, Clemson's got two losses, so they're out. Okay, now let's try and fill the last spot. Oh, wait, what comes into play? Record. Oh, Bama's ten and two. Ohio State's eleven and one. Let's put Ohio State in. I don't see any problem with that, honestly. Like that is the criteria in which it comes down to every year. Now, if USC had beaten Utah in the regular season. I would have rather have seen U- or, uh, USC get in than Ohio State. Then I see that argument because not only should you not be harmed for playing that 13th game, but you should also not be at the same time rewarding a team for not playing week 13. That seems like double jeopardy to me. You, you can't move a team up for sitting on the sidelines when they're competing against a team who's more deserving of the spot that would have had the spot if they just didn't play the game. Like that, that's it to me. I mean, to me, it's really clear cut, really, really clear cut and dry. I mean, you even go to rankings in like the years past and it's just, again, so transparent. Last year we had Alabama SEC champion, 12 and one, they're number one. Oh, Michigan, big 10 champion. Number two, Georgia, one loss team. Okay. Great. Cincinnati, 13-0, and conference champion. I mean, it's, it's that easy. Last year, we discussed a lot of times, if since he had lost that conference champion, would they still be in? No. Notre Dame was a better football team last year, even having lose, lost to Cincinnati. I think so. That becomes a little unique because it's a little more head-to-head. But I still think it's kind of an open and shut case where, all right, these things are right in front of us and we're really just trying to argue for the sake of arguing and always wanting to wish there was eight and 12 teams and we should get in and you shouldn't be in. And when in fact, it's just always cut and dry to me. I mean, I really don't get it. 
Okay, so here's here's an interesting thought. Imagine if USC did beat Utah the first go round and they're undefeated, perfect season, Pac-12 championship, playing Utah again. And this actually, now that I'm thinking about it, goes for Georgia and Michigan. So let's say, let's just assume that that was USC, everything else the same, right? The entire field the same. What's uh, what's stopping you if you're Georgia, USC, TCU, and Michigan from sitting Stetson Bennett, Caleb Williams, J.J. McCarthy, Max Duggan in your conference championship? Like, Max Duggan was, I think, on the verge of Serious injury, the way he was playing with his life on the line on Saturday. They lost and didn't move. If USC is undefeated going in that, they would have been the fourth seed with one loss over the Ohio State, kind of like you just outlined. Georgia's in regardless. Like They could have all benched and risked loss, and even assuming that they bench them and lose, and I don't think it shakes out much differently besides maybe a team swapping the three and the two or the one and the two. And I, I think, think only in that case, if one wins, I totally agree. Like what, wouldn't that be that wouldn't that have been a very interesting development? Like you see Jackson Smith and Jigba sitting out the chance to go win a national championship. And I know that's a little different, but if I'm, if I'm Lincoln Riley and I'm a 12 and 0 USC team and I'm playing Utah, yeah, say, say, okay, George is going to be the number one. Michigan's going to be the number two. Dude, I might fucking sit Caleb Williams. Like, even though I know that he was faking that limp the entire game, he was faking it. Whatever. I won't get into that. I would, I would have sat him. I mean, there really wouldn't have been much change in the how it shook out. I that that would have been a very interesting development. Like, if, do school do schools get money if they win these? I'm sure they do. That's got to be yeah. what it is. You get you're getting all this money, and I guarantee you, there's incentives in these coaches' contracts. Right. So if you bring oh, there is for sure X Pac-12 championship, then you get. Why amount of, you get million dollars, whatever you know what I mean? There, so that would, I don't think that would ever be feasible, and I feel like that's why they do that in in these in like the fine print of the contracts. Otherwise, that would be why. Like, I feel like you would see a lot more of that. I don't know. Kind of like the NFL. It's like the NFL, right? Why the fuck is would Aaron Rodgers play Week 18 or whatever? Obviously, conference championships a lot more significant because if you're not making the playoff, you're that's that's your one thing, but these te- if you're a team that is making the playoff, it's it's an interesting argument. I think I just saw that as interesting, being that we had such a deep field, like not as top heavy a field at the end of the season, yet every team was in a position where they could have sat their Heisman Trophy finalist and not really been penalized in the final rankings. 
They could have just said they were doing that, though, and then, like, Duggan could have just balled out and won the Heisman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I know, cool. There's a lot yeah. on the line, but if, if I mean, you I'll take are a coach, if you're a coach or uh, uh, quarterback or a program, soul set, just tunnel vision on a national championship, wouldn't that be the day to see, you know, Caleb Williams, who was probably the – the favorite to win it sitting out a Pac-12 championship, you know, when they're it's been X amount of years since USC's won one because their spot is solidified. And honestly, with the expanded playoff, we'll probably you're gonna see, see that. Yeah, we're gonna see that. You're gonna see that for sure. Because even at the stage where it's like, I don't know. I mean, if you get into an advanced situation where maybe that injury Caleb Williams sustained against Utah is kind of nagging him before that game. And he's sitting at four. Maybe he wants to go so he can try and lock up that bye. But I mean, if you're sitting at like five and you're kind of teetering between five and six, I mean, what really is that playing the 12 versus the 11? Like, I mean, that's Penn state versus Washington this year. I can't say who there's either team. That seems more formidable than the other. Yeah, just it'll it'll definitely be interesting the way the game is just growing more towards professional kind of conventions, which in we college football is a an an enigma with every other professional sport in the way that it's chosen its champions for basically all of time, every other sport, I guess, besides soccer, you know, you have the tournament where really almost every deserving team is in it. I mean, the fucking NBA has over half the teams in the freaking league make the playoffs March madness, college, college basketball, you see 68 teams make the playoffs. And now you it's just going to feel so weird seeing these things in college football because it's been even though, oh, we're expanding to four teams. The the four team playoff really hasn't. It hasn't done much, you know, in deciding a, a national champion, because most of these national champions that we've seen for the last 10 years were decided very early in the season like we know we knew who the best team were but more teams more variation more more parity so i'm excited i think this tcu michigan matchup is definitely gonna be one of the best games of the year i think it has a chance to be similar to those great ohio state clemson matchups that we've seen at two versus three the last thing I wanted to get into, um, if if you guys are voting on the Heisman, season's over, resumes are complete and submitted, who's your vote going to, Mart? Um, see, it's I'm tainted now because the last couple of weeks we've seen Williams go off, Stroud, Stroud. It's like it's such a recency bias award. So I I will say Williams, but it's. You know what I mean? The body of work, it's the same thing with like a loss doesn't mean anything if you lose like week one, but if you lose week 12, like, Oh, you're done that type of a thing. How the committee does it. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I guess, yeah, I'll go with Caleb Williams and just, I mean, he is phenomenal. He's had an unbelievable season. So that's, that's my pick. I think Caleb, well, Caleb Williams in the most underrated, underwhelming Heisman race of all time. Uh, Just really, I have a couple things I want to say about this, honestly. It just just really bothers me just seeing four fucking quarterbacks in. I mean, like, cool. I mean, we got got pretty much the four best quarterbacks, and it's like, well, they were on good teams, and they won games, and, you know, they had cool broadcast moments. So, hell, let's invite them. I mean, it just – I mean, I've seen so much shit with, like, state fans giving Michigan crap, like, oh, now you know what it feels to get your Heisman guy left out. I'm like, well, well, our running back didn't play in the conference championship because he was hurt. Yours didn't play because he didn't make it, and you weren't on a good team. Um, I mean, I guess I would have – like, if you really look at it and you say, like, man, who were the best four players in college football this year? I want to invite them to New York, and I want to give the best out of the four after a democratic process and award. I don't think that's the four we have gathered there. One, I think Hendon Hooker should be in there. Two, I think Blake Corum should be there. Three, I think Duggan should absolutely be there. And four, I think Stroud should be there. Uh, I think Stroud, I mean, I, I, I remember talking about this last year. Like, You always have the guy who's like, the, all right, the great quarterback. That's Stroud. I mean, he's going to be a top picking the draft. Everyone's kind of drooling over him. Duggan, kind of the guy who came out of the woodwork, you know, led his team to a great run in the the back half of the season. That's where that recency bias comes in. You know, he won games. He had good numbers. Two, why do you think the Wolverines are sitting at 13-0? I mean, granted, they kind of, you know, they they didn't really need Corum against Purdue. Uh, You you could argue you didn't really need him against Ohio State, though it would have been very nice. Um, He's still an asset, and I really think through, I mean, what was that, 10 and a half games he pretty much played? I mean, he was the best running back in football, and really up until that Illinois game, he was like plus 800 to win the award. So I don't understand how that all just gets thrown out because, oh, we're thinking recency. Same thing with Hendon Hooker. So those would be my four, in all honesty. Like, it it just has to be. I, I don't think Stetson Bennett should be there. I mean, he's got the same amount of TDs as J.J. McCarthy. I mean, they're, they're both tied at 20. Do you, like, do you think Donovan Edwards going off in the last two games meant Cor- that Corum was a uh, system running back? That's interesting, honestly, but no. I mean, you could have argued that, like, I mean, last year was a lot more like thunder and lightning but with having, like, two kind of backs, like Haskins and Corum, that really did a lot of the work. Um, but, like, this year was really mainly Corum. And then, I mean, Edwards was hurt with that hand for a while. Um, I didn't know that. And but but he's a five star back too. I mean, like he's a five star recruit back. Like I mean, I don't really think there's. I mean, you. you I mean, our third string Stokes, and then I think like Hines is like the four or can't remember what his last name name is. Name he's like Hines? forty-five. Yeah, it's number like forty-five. But, I can't remember his name. Sorry. Playing for Michigan but, and it's crazy. But like, like, like those Edwards are the third and fourth string, and they didn't run well. Yeah. seeing Edwards go off, I'm like, dude, what is this dude doing on the bench for the, like on, on a team? Like, why did he not go somewhere where he could be the guy? Like, I didn't know if he was just chilling all season. I'm like, dude, this guy's phenomenal. Because he's, because <laughs> he's equipped to be a three down back and he's going to have the season, probably a better season than Corum had this year, next year. Like in all honesty, like he probably will. Like 
he is a complete back. Like last year we used that two back system where it was like, all right, Haskins is going to be a lot of the bell carrier, but Corum you can use in the, in the third down game with throwing him the ball. And he just got stronger and better this year. So why not give it to him all the time? Um, Edwards still obviously was a vital part of the season. Um, he's made, I mean, even last season against, uh, he threw that touchdown against Iowa in the big 10 championship. Like he's just, he's been around. He's a great receiving back, which I love to see out of this offense, but he's true five-star talent. I mean, you look at that guy, like he's built like a dude running back we've seen in the past. Like, like honestly reminds me a lot of like Kenneth Walker, really like that breakaway speed that patience and that contact through the gap, like he can so easily get to that next level. Um, but I understand your point. Like what, what's he doing on the bench? Like he literally could have started anywhere else, but that's, you know, those who stay will be champions, Mark, you know, you I might, not get, you might yeah, not get it. You might not get it in Ann Arbor or uh, in South Bend, but the way we do it in Ann Arbor is you, you stay and you'll be a champion. So I think he's kind of hoping he'll stay and be a Heisman contender next year. I mean, you saw with Corum was up there this year. He stays healthy and he runs the ball just like that. Pretty much, I think, behind relatively, if not the exact same line, should be back next year. So, yeah. I think if he plays and has a good game, even a good game against Ohio State, he's there instead of Bennett. Um, just the way it was shaking out. But Beach, I could not agree more. This was the least entertaining, least exciting Heisman race in recent memory, in my opinion. I think last last year was pretty ass too. Honestly, these last two years, not been exciting. That's because Young sucked at receiving the award. It actually made me mad. Like he was so bad at it. He, I mean, he talked about being underrated all his life. He was a five star recruit from modern day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's from, complete you're, you're bullshit. Not, you're not. You're not from Compton. You didn't have to. Grind, I love how you can brother. still. I love how you still like milk the the whole like adversity. I'm a smaller quarterback thing even after all you've done is have the most success of any one playing your position. It, it, it's literally just like, trip. I don't know how I do it, Dude, but I do. You, it's you just went insane. to a high school where you learned in high school that you could be a great quarterback at your size. And even to that point, you saw that you could be that size and win a Heisman at receiver in, De- in Devontae Smith. So yeah. like, and Kyler Murray, at his size, also won a Heisman Trophy. Johnny Manziel. And, and Johnny Manziel and Baker Mayfield, who is also a smaller quarterback. So I love I love that you just have to still use the adversity thing. It's like, dude, you went to the most prestigious high school football program and then the most prestigious college football program. Just, you, yeah, you're fantastic, and I love watching you play. Just... We like, gotta stop rewarding. Reward. We gotta stop to rewarding quarterbacks for doing their fucking job. I don't understand it. You, you take care of the football and you throw. You touch the ball every play. Okay. All you gotta do is not lose fumbles and throw the ball, and you're putting up. I guess these Heisman numbers. <laughs> Stetson Bennett putting up Heisman numbers literally for taking care of the football this year. I mean, if you look at his stats, they are so unbelievably underwhelming. Like I said, he's tied at 20 TDs at 42nd in the nation with J.J. McCarthy. And, and I only say this because people have been looking at, like, oh, Michigan's clearly losing the quarterback battle here. You know, like, you know, J.J. just might sure. not be equipped, you know, all that. 
okay, by the way, he's got less interceptions than Stetson. He's tied for the same amount of touchdowns. Hasn't thrown for as many yards, probably because he didn't play an entire fucking game. And also, his QBR is slightly better than J.J. McCarthy's. So why is this guy sitting in there for being a game manager who can make some special plays for a great team? Isn't that called doing your fucking job? When I think of some of these Heisman winners in the past who have been great at the quarterback, they transcended the game in that season. Lamar Jackson took over that college football season. And they had a great team because of him. They had a lot of other good players, but they were a great team because of him. He was looked dynamic every play, hurtling, spinning, jumping around. Johnny Manziel, you talk about that Heisman game. He had that against Bama. He backed Devontae it up Smith. all season. Devontae Smith was a freak of a receiver the entire time. Like, I agree. He I could was not an agree absolute with you more, freak. Now we're seeing like, oh, well. I guess this guy's going to be the number one pick in the draft. We might just give him the Heisman. And it's the most prestigious award that one can win in this country, dude. I'd rather win a fucking Heisman Trophy than anything else, than a Purple Heart, than than anything <laughs> else, dude. If I could do one thing differently in my li- life, it would be to do everything that would make it possible for me to like win a Heisman Trophy. Yeah. And, it's the best personal award of the And planet. it makes me think that with four years of eligibility left, that I can go be a game manager, maybe some nepotism, get in at a good program, and get to New York. Like I would be a quarterback, and I would talk about my adversity with having small hands. Right, but we like, all have it. I would, say, I would say I was out of the game since sixth grade doing a, a, a podcast, and then I realized – that you didn't actually have to be that great to win a Heisman Trophy. So I tried my I tried my hand at it and I won it. Haha. But I could I completely agree. I think I think this award, Mara, that you mentioned the two years, the last two years hasn't been great. And I this is probably why I don't vote. I don't get a vote in the Heisman. This year I would I would write in probably do the like write in Harambe thing. Like I would I wouldn't vote for anyone on the ballot. I would say I, like, or I would get write some in defenseman in there or yeah, you can't tell me that that's a non quarterback was not one of the four best players in this, in this. And you're telling year. me they were the best four players in the country this year, no matter what, because that's what the Heisman award is supposed to be. It's for the best player. There might the be country. three Whoever had the best players, individual season. There might be three or four players on Georgia that had better seasons than Stetson just, yeah. just on Georgia. And I, I, I don't think understand that goes it. for a few schools, but um, yeah, I, I guess really don't gun to my head. I'd probably have to give it to Caleb Williams, even though I fucking hate him. And I think you I have think to, I mean, he's it. done his job all season. I think they rigged it for him. That game against Notre Dame in prime time. They wrote it. They wrote the narrative. He did the whole, um, you know, God, I just, dude, I cannot, cannot just, like, convince myself to vote for someone that paints their nails. That is against every constitution that I I stand by. Like, yeah, is he going to paint his nails for the Heisman Trophy ceremony? Probably. Yeah. It's probably going to say, I lost to Utah. <laughs> yeah, twice. He'll just write it, write it twice. Times yeah. two. Put it on his a couple toe, fingers man. short to do the full Heisman Trophy. Just letter a finger 
Um, like, so if if but, Ohio State beats Michigan and he doesn't have an like an overwhelming game, is he the? Because you have to assume Stroud would have bent over Purdue. Like Heisman's on the line. Like it's Purdue. Like right. this is what Ohio State does, right? He can win like, it if he goes off. Yeah. Don't you think he throws five TDs against Purdue, and then if he has like two against Michigan and they win, like I mean, it's his, right? I mean, I, he's the best quarterback. He's placed with a, a a top two team at where they would have been, and, and he had the recency bias. So, I mean, I guess like to me, that's how arbitrary this award is, and how stupid it is when it's like, why do we? Why are you yanking our cock with the Heisman race until week eleven? Like, if that's what it is, it's just about how you can compete in the last, like, two weeks. And then if you play in a conference championship, you pretty much get to make it to New York. It's just kind of bullshit. Like, it's supposed to be for, like, the four best players in the country, right? And, like, I'm going to be, like, interested to see, like, I want to know where Corum ended on, like, the rushing this year. Like, having not played in the last. So, he ended up at eight. Okay, so he ended up at eight in the lead. He was at fourteen sixty three, and the leader was at seventeen thirteen. So that is literally two hundred fifty more yards. Right? I mean, that's quick math for me, or three fifty maybe. (laughs) Yeah, three fifty. He needs. Oh no 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 so, like, this guy literally just needed 250 more rushing yards and would have been the number one rusher in the country. And, by the way, um, he Yeah, he would have been in New York TDs. if he didn't get hurt. Yeah. He has 18 TDs, too. And he had, like, he didn't even pretty much – he had 100 yards against Illinois in the first half and a TD. So, if he does, like – 250 yards and two TDs and one and a half games. And I also think the conference championship counts towards your totals. I mean, this guy's blowing. He'd probably have like 21 rushing touchdowns at least. And he'd probably be sitting at 1,800 yards. I mean, mm-hmm. realistically, like through two and a half games, like that's that's his average. So I don't understand why now. I mean, if you prorate the, we should be prorating him and Hendon Hooker. Prorate them for the games they played. I mean, we prorated Ohio State when they were six and zero in that COVID year and made the championship. Yeah, that's a good point. So why can't we do it for the Heisman when it actually like fucking matters? And it's like, oh, you got hurt, but you played a hell of a season. No, we can't. We can't even invite you. I mean, like, an invitation goes a long way. Like, Corum wouldn't be sitting in New York. Get a seat at the table, dude. He's not thinking he's going to win. Like, right now, if he got invited, like, over Stetson and, like, Hendon got in, that's great. I mean, they're invited to New York. Like Northern Illinois, dude. The pride of the the Okana household. Jordan Lynch got a seat at the table. He had Just give him a seat. He had a year that no one has ever had doing the – whatever it was, like 3,000, 2,000 or whatever. So it shows players, too, that says, hey, I can rush for 20 touchdowns in 1,700 yards, and I can be in New York if I play for a good team and we win football games. That sets precedent. And it sucks because it is the best award, but other sports don't 
let their best player award get tainted by these other variables as much as the Heisman is. And I get that there's more players and there's more teams than, you know, the NBA or the MLB or the NFL, which makes it more difficult. But I digress. Um, Boys, we have a whale of a college football playoff in front of us. I think for the coming weeks in between now and when we get back into into some action, I think we go back, run down a little NFL, get back Absolutely. in the mix there um, just to keep keep the listeners happy because we've been away for a little bit. But honest. we're back and better than ever. Kirk Cousins had a good year. Quavo gets cooking.